Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Hey, Spooksters, and welcome back to Three Spooked Girls. Welcome to your month of May listeners episode here on the show. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely gal pal, Jessica. Hey! And if you are new here, each month we read your guys' stories that you send in to us, whether they're paranormal, true crime, spooky, whatever. Yeah, so if you're interested in sending in a story, you can send that to our email, and that is just threespookedgirls at gmail.com. And we have four stories this month for you. One is a very special one that I'll be reading <laughs> <laughs> last tonight. But yeah, before we get started, if you are new here, you can find all of our social medias in the show notes. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of that good stuff. You can come hang out with us there. And I've got my wine as usual. Jessica, you got your vodka? I do. Yes. And I know you're coming off your Game of Thrones high. You doing okay? Or low? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's not. It was not a good episode. It oh. was... Uh. I'm so like triggered tonight. Like <laughs> it put me in a horrible mood. I was like, no, no. Oh. Well, we got some good stories so that'll help. Yes, this will revive my mood quite quickly. These are some of our favorite episodes to record. So yes, I am excited. All right. Well, would you like to kick us off, or would you like me to? I can. Okie dokie. So this. Listener's story comes from Melissa of the podcast The Haunted Ride. So thank you for sending in your story and I hope you guys enjoy it. I lived in a haunted house for the majority of my life growing up and it has given me several experiences. This one is the one of the more violent slash more physical ones and I hope you enjoy it. Well, Ooh. I'm scared for you now. You said violent. <laughs> oh, Melissa. I'm gonna cuddle into my blanket a little more now. Right. The house I lived in had three bedrooms. The first was my mother's. The second, most of the time, was mine. And the third held a portal in the closet. Whenever I slept in my bedroom, I noticed the activity was worse than when I slept in the third bedroom. By this point, I had fully acknowledged that our house was haunted and had taken steps to try to protect myself as setting up shields, keeping the light in the house on, etc., In the closet in my bedroom, there was a horrible black mass that would come out at night. Oh, God. Oh, no, thank you. When it first began to appear, it took the shape of fog, always at the bottom of the floor, and it grew denser and heavier until you couldn't see anything but it. It was only about three feet tall, but it would span the entire closet and was blacker than the darkness surrounding it. While I don't remember physically seeing eyes, In my mind, I could see them. They were white, and the look on its face was just menacing. And it clearly said, the second you slip up, I'm going to hurt you. On the night this event happened, I wasn't feeling very well, and I slept almost the entire day, only waking up to eat. Girl, that is my dream weekend. Right? (laughs) Goals. (laughs) Right? 
This meant I didn't put up my shield nor turn on the lights I would sleep with. At 3 a.m., I woke up and realized the entire room was dark. I turned on one of the lights and tried to go back to sleep, but I couldn't. For some reason, I wanted to change my purse, which meant I'd have to go into my closet. No, we know something lives in there. Right? Not at 3 a.m. Shit. Oh, I sometimes get productive early, but not. No. I was nervous knowing the energy was in there and it really seems like a stupid idea to go to the closet, but I was bored and it was something I really wanted to do. I have a feeling something was telling her to do it. Right. I waited for a while and I finally got the courage to go in. I flicked on the closet light, pulled out my purse, and something told me to move. It shouted at me and the second I did, the entire closet shelf came crashing down. It was so loud it woke my mother and then boyfriend up and they came running in to find everything on the floor, the shelf exactly where I had been standing. It had been pulled out of the wall, but the screws in which held the shelf were still in place. Oh, my mother didn't believe me when I told her what happened, but her boyfriend did because he couldn't explain how a shelf could get pulled out of a wall when all the fastenings were still in the wall. Thank you so much for taking the time to read this story and for your amazing podcast. I appreciate all the work, time, and dedication you devote to it. Keep up the great work, and I can't wait to hear all the new episodes. Aw, thank you. Yes, thank you. Goodness. And yeah, definitely check out her podcast. It's spooky, and I love it. All right. So I have the next story. This one comes from Leslie. Thank you, Leslie, for sending this in. I swear you guys probably think I've been sick forever, but really, we're just recording these like in a week's, less than a week's time because we're uh, getting ready to go on our trips. So sorry, I swear it's almost gone. No By the time we get back to recording again, like I should be good to go. Knock on wood. <laughs> All right. So Leslie's story. Here we go. This is the first time actually writing the story out, and there are a lot of details to it, so I'll line them out here first before I tell it so things don't get confusing. I have a bad habit of over or under explaining a story while telling it verbally. Girl, same. That's why our podcast episodes are so long. (laughs) (laughs) So to preface this, when I was young, my mother was part of a small ghost hunting group, and she would go out every other weekend to cemeteries or other haunted locations when we lived in North Carolina. I was maybe three when I started having encounters, the first one being an imaginary friend named Miss Alame, but my mother didn't truly take notice of this until I was about five and my great-grandfather passed. I started seeing him in the backyard of the house he lived in before he passed, the same exact house I grew up in and my parents and siblings live in to this day. Now, these small encounters weren't really a big deal then, and I have many that I didn't share with my family because we were going through a lot of the time that it would just get shrugged off anyway. Believe me, there's a lot that happens on the property, but this story isn't about that. But as it was, I started to notice it more often as a teen and realized I was bordering onto empath territory, and that shit was scary, especially when you're only 13 and everything was chaotic anyhow. So let's jump into the story now that we have those details out of the way. It was the summer before 8th grade and I was 13. I went to stay with one of my great aunts for a couple of weeks in the summer and help out with the B&B she worked at on the coast of North Carolina. She was living in Buford at the time. It's absolutely beautiful there. Just a smaller coastal town that has a lot of history involving Blackbeard, colonial shipping by the sea, that kind of thing. Nice. Right? I know. I want to go. So, of course, they had ghost tours and every old building is probably haunted. You probably right. 
While my mother comes to visit and stays for a week with me while I'm there, she had just kicked out her ex-husband the day after I left and wanted to be with just her babies. She brought my brother and, oddly enough, my crush-slash-neighbor along as well because his parents didn't want my mom traveling alone with the four-year-old. Now remember how I said she was into ghost hunting, so obviously she brings her equipment and booked a ghost tour the same day she comes in. That night, we go on the tour, my mom, crush, and myself. They take us along the boardwalk, right on the water, and proceed to tell us a story of a shipwreck where a ship coming in from England had gotten stuck on a sandbar at low tide in the middle of winter. The crew all slowly died, waiting for help to arrive, except for one lone cabin boy. The young man was resourceful and used the bodies of the crew as warmth until help arrived. But at some point, he ran out of food. Not wanting to die in the harsh weather from starvation, he began to eat another mate on the ship. Ah, that'll be a consent. <laughs> oh, I know, but like, it's like, eat the dead people or die. Just oh, saying. dead people. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> when rescuers finally found the young man, he was shivering and covered under the remaining bodies of the crew members he did not eat. They brought the young man ashore, cleaned him up, gave him lodging and let him be. He had obviously gone mad and began to run through the streets, terrorizing everyone he passed. He would scream incoherently, try to hit people, and have meltdowns in the street. Being that this was around the late 1700s, instead of trying to get him help, he was killed in the exact street we were walking down. They said his ghost was still running around, flicking off the streetlights in an attempt to chase people for eternity. Now, of course, after the tour ends, my mother decides she wants to interact with this man to see if the story is true. We head down that street with her K2 meter, EVP recorder, and my camera. Instantly, I get this sick feeling of being watched and the air felt heavy despite the breeze that was cooling everything down. Everything just felt draining and hateful, but I tried to shrug it off. I didn't want to ruin my mom's good time, and she really needed this. She hands my crush the K2 meter, and he notices the dial going from green to orange, indicating strong energy nearby. She gets excited and starts asking questions. We hear a pop and look up. The streetlight at the end of the street was off. I'm beginning to panic and feel nauseated, almost like my stomach flipped inside out. Was that you, sir? Are you here? My mom asked. The next light flicks off, this time louder and closer to us. I hear whispers, but they're unintelligible. At this point, I'm close to vomiting and my crush looks over at me, noticing the color drained from my face. The meter in his hand went to red and he starts to freak the fuck out. Another light pops off. I finally tell my mom we need to leave, that there's something wrong. We can't be here. She got upset with me, but ended up getting us back to the car. But I looked back as I climbed into the truck and saw a shadow of some kind under the last remaining streetlight that was lit. Now, that was a long time ago, but it's the only one that I really have outside of my parents' home and the college I went to. I have many more experiences with ghosts if you'd like for me to send more, but thanks for reading this one. Yes, send all the stories. We are here for it. Totally. We love stories. Super spooky. You know it's bad when you get like that physical reaction to it, so I'm glad you guys left. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I always like when people are like, and then I felt like nauseous, but I kept going and then someone died. Mm -mm. (laughs) Like fucking, (laughs) you had a warning, you should have (laughs) left. Right? Like, go back. It's fine. And since we're doing our new thing where we do our shout outs for our new patrons in the listeners episode, we're going to go ahead and do that real quick. For this month, 
this is up to date now. So today's the this, today's through May sixteenth. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you signed up after that and your name's not inserted in here, I'm sorry. But we'll get you in the next one. But we want to give a huge thank you to our two new patrons that we have right now that have joined. We have Heather Lynn and Joanna. Thank you guys so much for joining as patrons. We appreciate your support. It means the world to us so, so much. Yeah. Thank you, Heather Lynn. And thank you, Joanna, for being patrons. Both Tara and I greatly appreciate it. And I just want to let you know that it means a lot to me personally that you stand behind us and support us so that we can do all the things that we do. Hell yeah. All right, go ahead. (laughs) Okay, so this one comes from Erin, and she writes, Happy late birthday, Tara, and happy early birthday, Jessica. Aw. Aw, thank you. Thank you. Technically, now that I'm reading this, it's before my birthday, but you guys are listening to this after my birthday. She writes, thank you so much for reading my story on the April Listeners Encounters. It was a real treat to hear you guys bring the story to life. Below are two stories. We're only going to read one today, people. I previewed in my last email. There's actually a few stories in her email, but yes, only one today. We'll save the rest for another time. Yes. And this one is entitled, Our Ghost. Since I wrote my first email, I've gone back and talked to my mom more about our resident ghost and learned more, learned some new interesting and terrifying things. So here goes. Yay. Yay. When I was eight years old, we moved into our house that my parents currently live in. They've been in the same house since 2001. The house was originally built in the mid-70s and by someone who had a vague idea of how houses should be built, i.e. things weren't really done up to code and the house was generally just kind of creepy. But hey, it's home. This house is a four-bedroom, three-bath, 2300 square feet home with a full basement including a prepper's food pantry two bonus rooms shag carpet and dark wood panelings in multiple okay Aaron, i totally feel that way because that's my, my whole bedroom was like dark wood paneling growing up <laughs> <laughs> truth <laughs> when the house was first built a single mom and her teenage son lived in it the son lived in the basement room with a bright red carpet dark wood paneling tiny windows and a creepy closet the master was right above it This sounds like a very terrifying bedroom. Right. I'm like, oh, God, it's the murder room. (laughs) Senior night, the boy's last year of high school, he was unfortunately killed in a drunk driving car accident. After this, his mom went a little nuts and she lived in the home until she died in the early 90s. Yes, in the house. Erin, I just want to say I love the fact that you answer my questions before I ask them. She knows now. (laughs) I know. So good. Another family came in and lived in the home for about six years, repainted everything, but left the shag carpet in the basement for (laughs) aesthetics. So they were a little nuts too. Before it changed hands and my parents bought it. The previous owner told my parents about the nutty lady that lived there before and what happened to her son, but none of the details. That's because they have to. If someone dies in the house, they have to tell you. Mm -hmm. Fun fact for everyone. This is when the creepiness started to happen. Ever since we moved in to that house, my cats and dogs have always acted a little strange. Every morning at 2.33 and 3.21, oh God, those are very specific times. The animals would do this rotation of the guard. Wherever they were, they would get up and move to another room in the house. I have to stress, this was every night. They were always at these two times, 
and all three dogs would wake up and all four cats would wake up and move from room to room. That is really creepy. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how to handle that. Okay. One of the most intense and creepiest experiences in this house happened when I was in my junior year of high school. The basement is split into two bonus rooms, a living room and a game room with a computer in the corner for my dad and a huge loom sewing area for my mom and an old coin operated pool table. The basement bedroom was connected to the game room, but all the doors were very close together. I was in the basement with my boyfriend at the time and we were talking to my mom while she was working on her loom. Behind the loom, there were some old full-length dance mirrors from my mom's stints as a belly dancer instructor. Okay, Erin, your mom sounds amazing. Seriously. For reals. The scene is my boyfriend sitting on the edge of the pool table facing my mom with the mirror behind her and my mom facing my boyfriend and behind him is the door to the basement bedroom. I was off to the side looking at both of them when they both stopped talking and moving for a split second. They both shook their heads, made eye contact, and said, did you just see that in unison? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh. Okay. While we were talking, they both saw a dark figure walk through the doorway from the stairwell and through the basement door. And the shadow was so dark, it couldn't have been a normal shadow. And we were the only ones in the house at the time. We even tried to replicate the shadow, but couldn't. It was definitely the ghost of the deceased teenage boy. Immediately after moving to the house, I started to have dreams with a recurring visitor named Ian. Ian was a very nice guy who would ride with me on the school bus in my dreams and would offer advice for basically anything that might help an eight-year-old to high schooler live her best life. Well, that's nice. Mm -hmm. I had always thought that dream buddy of mine was a guardian angel or some form of my subconscious that could talk to me through my ups and downs of my life. Can you what? Yeah, what's up? You might want to come downstairs. I don't know what's going on. Fucking Alaska. Was it at least something good? There's a box of little ducklings in my kitchen because... They had crawled under my backyard fence. Apparently, the mom had got killed. My collie was chasing one of them, or chasing them. So Matt grabbed them, put them in a box. But yeah, um, we have ducklings. You um, have ducklings. One of his friends <laughs> is bringing some stuff over for them, and then he's calling, I guess, the like wildlife people. <laughs> like okay, because. One, I don't believe we are allowed to have them. But two, he cannot let them go because they will die. So, um, right. So you're being good people. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm just like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) So I have some ducks for a second. Um, by the time this is up, they will probably have been taken to a facility or something, but yeah. And by taking, she means like, no, 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 not dead, not dead. Company coming and taking them and then, yes, yes. Jesus. Sorry. I'm just like, (laughs) it was the way you said it. I was like, no, Tara, no. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not a wildlife person. Sorry. (laughs) So I'm just like, the fuck? Because Matt came in. I probably cut this out, but Matt came in here being like, don't be mad. So I'm like, the fuck do you do? (laughs) 
<laughs> it was really funny. He's like, why does that to be Mafa? And it's like, Matt, you came in and said, don't be mad. That's the universal guy code for I did something wrong. So, uh, yeah. So that's that. Depending on when we're done recording, I might try to go snap some pictures. I don't know what's going on because uh, Matt and his friend are going to go kind of deal with stuff. That's so sweet, though. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's like the worst time for this to happen because it's a Sunday night right now. So, uh. like... You know, the actual vet and stuff is closed right now, so... I bet little one is ecstatic. Oh, she's, like, holding them. The box. <laughs> so I'm like, we can't See, this is a them. good story. We, yes, it's a good we story. We had a bad experience story once, so... Yeah, but yeah, no, it's a good thing, but it's yeah. like we can't... I don't think we are technically, like, our property management. I don't think we're allowed to keep them, so... Well, that, and it's like, do you really want to keep ducks? I mean, no, not really, but, you know... Do you want to be Anna Paquin in the 90s? <laughs> no. <laughs> but still. Anyway, yeah. So um, so that's the Spooky Ducks. Um, okay. Sorry. Sorry, Jessica. <laughs> spooky Ducks. No worries. I just have to figure out where I left off. Okay. I think I'm going to read. Okay. I'm going to start back with Ian. And if we've already read this, forgive me, Spooksters. Okay. Ian was a really nice guy who would ride with me on the bus in my dreams and would offer advice for basically anything that might help an eight-year-old to high schooler live her best life. I had always thought that this dream buddy was a guardian angel or some form of my subconscious that would talk me through the ups and downs of my life. There was never any kind of quote-unquote evil feeling with Ian. He was just a constant. There was one dream I remember in vivid detail. Ian was wearing a blue button-down shirt and had stopped me on the stairs at a house party and telling me I need to be safe and make smart choices. In my dream, he kept taking glasses out of my hand and trying to get me to drink water. I was getting annoyed with him and I kept trying to have fun with my friends, but I couldn't make out anyone's face. Ian was very insistent that I needed to be safe and make smart choices. He kept repeating it over and over and every time I would try to do something quote-unquote, not safe, he would be upset. My alarm went off before the dream had a solid conclusion, but the whole, quote-unquote, make smart choices stuck with me for a long time. So later, when I was at a house party and someone said it to me, it sent chills down my spine. I put down my drink and stopped for the night. I don't know if anything bad would have happened, but better safe than sorry. Girl, right. Be safe, not sorry. I moved out in 2011. When I left, my mom said the house had some pretty bad electrical problems. Light switches stopped working. You would replace the bulb and it would burn out within a day. The washer and dryer both died within a few months of me leaving. The tree in the backyard lost a branch that took out a power line. Oh, God. Just a bunch of things. My mom was so fed up with this, she decided that it was time to evict the ghost. So she set up candles in the basement turn out all the lights and told whoever was listening your mom doesn't live here anymore and it's time <laughs> sorry this is Aaron. your mom is so badass she she said she told whoever's listening your mom doesn't live here anymore and it's time for you to move on it's okay to move on so this is the creepy terrifying thing my mom and i connected the dots a few weeks ago ian he was killed in a drunk driving accident at 2 33 a.m and his mother received the notification at 3.21 a.m., uh. right? My mom was helping my grandparents clear out some old boxes and found a newspaper article about the accident, and my mom's phone call to me was, well, that explains the dogs, and my thought was, that explains the boy. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> okay. I, I want to say that time is a like a huge thing with death because like mm-hmm. when my dad died, I wasn't um, with him. I had started driving home and Thomas, my husband and I stopped in a, at a hotel because we, at the time we mm-hmm. didn't know if he was going to last hours or days or weeks. So we were just at this point of like, I had to go back to work. I was in the process of moving. And I remember I was in the shower and it was, I know I felt the exact moment my dad died. Oh, because when I got out of the shower and was sitting on the bed and was talking to my husband, my phone rang and it was my mom telling me that mm. he had died. And she's like, it happened like four minutes ago. And I was like, that's about right. Shit. So, I mean, time, I think, in a paranormal sense or like a afterlife sense is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Like, when someone dies, I've always thought it was like a little fracture in time. At least in someone's timeline. So this makes perfect sense to me. Oh, yeah. Totally. Well, now I guess it's my turn. I'm excited. out with a story. Um, Speaking of Matthew, he wrote this one. (laughs) Ooh. I'm excited. And he's not reading it because obviously the uh, duck gate has happened. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Duck gate, as we'll call it. So this involves me. So I know you guys wanted more paranormal stuff with us. So I guess you're welcome. <laughs> this actually happened like not even a week ago. No. Our time. So um, yeah. And if you don't know who Matt is uh, or like his voice or anything, he's done a little bit with us. He also does our content warning. And then also kind of a big thing with him even with like this whole event even happening or anything like that. He is 100% a skeptic. Like truth 100 percent. like he respects that i believe in this stuff but he does not whatsoever so he titled his story for us para not normal interaction <laughs> smart ass but it's okay i'm a little triggered because i'm in my room but it's fine i can see where it happened <laughs> <laughs> it's where i record okay anyway uh <laughs> okay we're gonna go now cold dark deep a deeper sleep than usual I had been awake for 36 hours, working and was exhausted when I finally crawled into bed with my wife. Me. I was always jealous of how sound she slept, no matter what was going on. She always looked so peaceful while I struggled just to get a few hours. I took my sleeping pills and lay down into the bed, eventually drifting off, laying there for a while. I was so tired. I just wanted rest. I'm accustomed to having nightmares. I have them pretty regularly. This dream was different. This one wasn't the memories of war or twisted, exaggerated fears from my subconscious. I usually wake by sitting upright, orienting myself to my surroundings, and grounding my fears. This time, I woke. Calmly, almost peacefully, I simply opened my eyes. The room was dark except for the early morning light peeking in through the blinds. It was around 3 a.m. in Alaska, so the sun would start to rise soon enough. I looked over as my eyes struggled to adjust to blinking the sleep from my eyes. It looked as though my wife was sitting upright in the bed next to me, just looking at me. She had done this from time to time as she often was the one to shake me from my night terrors. As the grogginess faded from my eyes and the room came into view, my wife shifted in the bed next to me. She was still laying down, asleep. The shadow still just sat there. I felt strangely calm as I looked back at its opaque head. I reached my hand out as if to wipe something from its face and made a sweeping motion along the wall, feeling the drywall on my fingertips. My hand went right through it, and it shifted from opaque black to a silvery cloud. 
I lowered my arm back to where it was and watched as its arm made a mimicking sweeping motion as if it was a shadow with a slow response. Its arm swept through the air and I felt like I was being told to come here. It turned slowly and passed through the bedroom door and out of sight. It continued to lay there, unsure of what just happened. Maybe I was still dreaming. Anyone who knows me knows how much of a skeptic I am. I do not believe in ghosts or apparitions or whatever else they're called. I stared at the door, still strangely calm, and waited for the unknown. Eventually, I scooted over and wrapped my arm around my wife, kissed her shoulder, and closed my eyes. I felt no worry, no fear, and no dread. I was calm and fell asleep for the rest of the night. The end. <laughs> Matthew and I have that in common where we don't wake the people in the room up. Like, it's so sleep. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. I was going to say you did that one, like in your hotel one a couple months ago where you said you didn't. Yeah, I didn't wake anybody up. I was just like, okay. And like originally, because like it's not a subject, obviously Jessica knows about this. Like we talked about when we talked about this like off recording, um, I think it's probably like you said, because it wasn't like a feeling of like threat or anything. So it's like that feeling of like, okay, like no reason to alarm everybody. I like the way he wrote it, though. He was like. I thought she was like sitting up in bed just staring at me and I was like creeper <laughs> mm. yeah yeah because the first time I read it because <laughs> like I read this once through <laughs> with her um <laughs> the first time I read it I like paused there <laughs> and I was like okay creeper like yeah he does have frequent nightmares and stuff so like obviously like like if I feel him tossing and turning like I wake him up so that's what he meant I'm not a creeper okay but I will say that I have seen Tara sleep through, like, everything. This is true. Certain stuff I do sleep through. So. Suddenly you'd be like, you didn't hear, like, the chaotic stuff? And she'd be like, no. Nah. Nah. That was like at your bachelorette party when you guys all came back. Oh, and yeah. I was just like, No, dead, like, so. totally dead. Like, people were not being quiet. Lights were turned on. You know, it was the end of, the like, a 12-hour day at Disney. Well, it was, like, 12-hour day at Disney, and then, like, a day prior to that, and then a travel day that I'd gotten, like, two hours of sleep. So I just, I wasn't going to be awake for nobody. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Worth it. Worth it. So, yeah. It's true. So there we go. There's our listeners encounters for the month of may we hope you guys enjoyed it Mm -hmm. if you would like to send us a story like i said in the beginning of the episode feel free to email it to us at three spookgirls at gmail.com you can dm it to us email's a little easier because it's just easier to read you know there's no like character limit or anything like that and the last day of the month if you're a patron or would like to join as a patron for as little as a dollar we have your bonus episode going up super super exciting we will not tell you what the topic is but it's something we are super pumped for and it's completely different like it is every month last month's was pretty good i thought Mm -hmm. we did really good on that yes Mm -hmm. last month was awesome i was really i mean i left very hungry Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Should we kind of tell what that was? I know we've never done that, but it's an older one, so we could kind of... Hmm. Last month, we talked about a very specific true crime meal. And if you want to know more, go become a patron. Yes. And that is, of course, on patreon.com slash girls or on the Linktree thingy. So yeah, check it out. Yes. As little as a dollar can get you access to all of those bonus episodes. $5 and up get video content. I'm not sure if last month was a video one. I don't remember. For the month of May, they got 
the episode two of the act of our bonus series as their video. They get surprise ones. They don't get the patron one oh, yeah. as their video. They get surprise ones. Eventually they may, but right now it's true. a girl can only do so much video editing because I'm still learning. So It's true. It's fine. <laughs> we appreciate it. But anyways, um, I believe that's all we had for today. So uh, with that, we will go ahead and sign off. Bye. Bye, guys. Are you in desperate need of advice, but maybe your problems are too strange, too scary, and too shameful for the average advice show? We are the Carol Sisters, hosts of the paranormal and true crime advice show, Dear Murder Street, and we are here to help. Do you suspect that your very shy and polite neighbor may, in fact, be a serial killer? Is there a ghost in your bedroom watching you change? Were you catfished by someone who turned out to be a very sad, very lonely extraterrestrial? Call and leave a message at 845 845- 418-6681 or write to us at dearmurderstreet at gmail.com. Visit dearmurderstreet.com for more information and find us wherever you get your podcasts.